Welcome to the podcast. Tonight we have a very, very special guest for you all. My favorite person in the world, Frugal Phil. Phil, or Uncle Phil, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing so well, guys. I'm so happy to be here. I'm so happy you're here. I've been listening to Talk Now, Cry Later since it came out. Um, It's been in the works for a long time. I'm so glad I can finally be in a part of it. Dude, yeah, we're happy to have you. Um, Yeah, Phil, give us a little rundown on how you and I got to know each other, because it all started right here, where we're at right now. Oh, the old compound. So um, before I ever got to to join Mal in his place of home, uh, I was climbing in the sweetest gym in Kansas City, old Sequence, shout out to Sequence. Um, And uh, I saw this long-haired dude uh, always kind of smiling, and I was like, I'm going to say what's up to this dude. What's your name? And um, and so we kind of met up there and chatted for the day, and I saw him again, and then I think we ended up at a coffee shop. Wasn't Sounds that- right. Sounds like something we would do. Yeah, I think you um, went over to Cafe Gratitude with me, and we shared a French press. And then it was French press friendship from there on out, um, (laughs) climbing together and then uh, working together and then just kind of growing to love one another and having a great time, man. And we've come a long way since then. Yeah, dude, give a little more detail on how that all came about with the working scenario, because that's a funny story. Yeah, um, so... At the time, it was uh, February, KC, pre-COVID, um, life was good. I was working three gigs, and so on the side, uh, whenever Mal needed some help, uh, I would just shout out and say, what's up? I used to do this. I, I want to be here. I want to I wanna get some work in. I want to get to know you more, too. Um, and so we were doing some mulch one day, and I got a call, and my boss was just like, hey, man. Uh, we don't really need you anymore. Like our restaurant's not going to make it. And so I just looked at Mal and I was like, uh, so do you need any help? <laughs> and from there on, uh, we just started kicking it full time and it all worked out great. By kicking it, he means working full time, 136 hours and two weeks full time and moving in full time. <laughs> yeah, it went from zero to a hundred. Um, I ate breathe slept lawn care uh it it went from me talking to customers to me talking to myself (laughs) mowing yards for long days man i'll tell you it was an absolute treat you know you were at the you know you came into my life right place right time and you were the guy you know you are the guy phil you are the most honest man i've ever come to know you're just so easy to be around and just high energy good spirit just a just a full package you, you're like when i think of the the best man for any job i think of phil wow that's that's praise i hope to one day deserve that's really kind of you well drew do you have any questions for phil they just got to know each other over the course of the past hour and a half over a nice sit down chipotle dinner uh shout out chipotle potential sponsor could be you <laughs> <laughs> shout out chipotle um no yeah, I, I met Phil one time. He he was in town and brought us some, like, coffee or water at some job we were doing. And Mal, Mal definitely talked you up just like he did and didn't really get to hang out. But 
it's been cool to hang out with you bro it's you definitely have a good aura good vibe about you um so yeah i'm glad glad you're here and uh phil lived in this room that we're recording in and now it's my room and it's the room i got sober in so it's a spiritual room yeah now you're back it totally throws a whole um different aspect on like just my appreciation for the podcast too because i'm like i came into the room that i used to sleep in and i just saw this setup and i'm just like whoa crazy how shit works it's so good um quick side note believe it or not frugal phil who uh used to smoke pot downstairs while i'd read him the god memo (laughs) and hide his little (laughs) apple pipe in a cabinet while i'd have all my sober friends come over gets three months of true real deal sobriety recovery clean time in 40 minutes exactly that's badass how do you feel man uh i never i never knew it was gonna mean so much like a 90 day mark like i thought i didn't know i'd ever make it this long like pot was has been part of me um especially since i was 19 um and i never even thought it was something that i needed to get rid of i thought it was just a a way of life like that was the way that i was and so to come this far and to to feel better than I have ever felt um, at this point. It just means so much. Dude, and it gets it gets better. You know, it, it truly does get a lot better. You know, after, I don't know, thinking of where I was at, you know, I only have eight months. But, like, when I was at three months, like, five months on top of that is a whole nother world, dude. You know, it, it just, I don't know. I'm in a completely different spot than I was when I had 90 days sober, so, um, yeah, I guess we could start with, like, how old are you? I'm 26. 26, hell yeah, um, and you, I guess just tell us, like, a short rundown of leading up to discovering Mary Jane, mm. how it changed your life, and mm. how it became unmanageable. Okay, um, so, Life for me, um, I'm a small town kid. I grew up in the country, um, went to a school where I only graduated with five people. Um, I grew up in a household that was off by itself and to where I didn't really have any uh, communication with friends. Uh, A lot of times I lived in a book. Um, It was just my main form of escape. Um, I had a difficult parenting. really authoritarian stepfather um and so childhood a lot of it was fairly abusive um it could been anything really i did to act out um i i ended up running hills a lot that was my main form of punishment and so a lot of time by myself um in agony pretty much um and then just escaping Um, And so as I got into high school, I got into a super codependent relationship and um, was just escaping through my ex. And um, I mean, we were escaping together kind of from our own situations and 
um, just through busyness. And when I finally got out of school, I got to be out in the regular world. And um, at that point in time, I went to live with my sister and she had been um, smoking every day since she was probably 16 uh, as just her form of escape and management. And so um, I rolled up first day and um, pretty much never put it down. Um, we smoked all the way up until, um, I mean, from morning till night. If I wasn't going to school, because I was taking school pretty seriously and I knew that I wasn't 100% on my chemistry classes and stuff like that when I was smoking and uh I hadn't figured it out yet like at that point I still thought I was on the learning curve like um pot kind of messed me up and so I was waiting until that day that I could just smoke all day every day and not have to worry about it messing me up and uh, I got to that point eventually in my head um but as I um transitioned down from where I was living with my sister into Springfield, I went to college, um, and my ex really hated pot, and so I snuck around. Um, I didn't really smoke as much while I was in school of ag because um, country college kids don't smoke pot, they drink. And so I jumped onto that train with gusto and um, started riding the booze wagon every day I could. And it was, um, I mean, Party City. I joined a fraternity as soon as I could. Um, I didn't really know about what State College was about. And uh, I knew I could get my classwork done pretty easy and I could work. But when I wasn't busy, I was still in avoidance. And so anything I could do to get out of my own head and, um, and booze was the answer. And so I uh, drank until I decided to um, to choose to drink instead of choosing to be a good boyfriend or a good family member or um, really anything. I kind of just dropped off after a while. Um, and then I was in service, um, bartending, serving, drinking um i mean i was the have have a good time every night um i had a different set of friends for every night a different bar that i knew where the the special was and uh, i was like who wants to drink tonight and if nobody would come out and drink then i would just go to the bar because i always knew i'd run into somebody and so um that that just kind of goes all the way out i'm not sure how far you all want me to go keep going um the so, current um this at this time when i was um i was alone for the first time ever i had uh i had ended that relationship and i remember uh just being so lost and so lonely um and just hurting so bad and uh there were a lot of nights where i would get shredded and then i would drive around and sing sad country songs and take snapchat videos of myself and post them on my story because <laughs> i wanted my ex to see them and <laughs> i was just like 
desperate for help. I'm just like crying out. And uh, when <laughs> when I found out that my ex got engaged, I got all my friends together and we had an engagement party at my favorite bar. <laughs> and, and we all did toasts and posted it on social then too. And uh, <laughs> it was so bad. Um, just over and over. Anything I could do that was self-destructive, I did. Um, at one point, I... I think I was praying for an accident to happen to me um, because I was so angry at myself, but I wasn't having suicidal thoughts at that time. And um, so every day I was just like, if something bad happens, like life's going to change for me. Like, and I randomly uh, got hit with a pulmonary embolism. And so I was only 22 years old and it doesn't even make sense. Like the, the doctors at Cox, they're like, you're the youngest guy who's ever had a blood clot hit him in the lung that's come into this hospital. And um, I was like, holy cow. It, I mean, I really, I thought I made it happen to myself. Like, and then my ex came because I asked her to visit me. And then I saw her and I was like, oh, this didn't fix anything. Like, it, this wasn't the problem. Like, I'm the problem. And um, after that happened... Uh, I thought I was going to change, but I got out of the hospital. They they couldn't figure out why I had the blood clot. They said it was a random occurrence, and uh, it's been four years now. I've never taken a blood thinner again. I quit a month after. They told me I, they were going to put me on them for five years. I quit a month after. I've never had another problem. I really think it's the power of just like self-destructive thinking that um, sent a blood clot into my lung. Like it was the it was wild. Um, but that weekend after I had it happen, I stopped taking my thinners and I got trashed and had, I went on a float trip and I was like, this counts as blood thinners. Like, <laughs> I, I'm good. <laughs> and, uh, it, I mean, it just transitioned from there on out. And, uh, I, I drank pretty much every night until, uh, one of my best friends, um, drank himself to death. And I remember, uh, getting a call on the way to work that he had passed away and uh, I had to pull over just because I was I was falling so hard I couldn't see um, I got to work and I couldn't work I I was just like my whole mentality was destroyed because he was only 31 and um, at that time I was 24 and I was like he's barely older than me like, how can we die of booze? Like, that can't be real. Like, we drink every night, and everyone's fine. And then I just got real, and uh, I cold turkey quit. And um, it was the first time I'd ever felt like I had a reason to stop, um, and that was back in 18. And uh, and it, I just uh, pretty much lost control of my life after that because it was my first attempt at sobriety I had a a true addictive dependence on alcohol um, so I went through withdrawals I had uh, chest palpitations like I was so nervous so shaky so sweaty um, so full of anxiety that I had never known was present in my life because I've been self-medicating for so long um, and I really just lost it from there. I uh, kept getting more and more anxious. Um, 
and I ended up quitting my job. It turns out I couldn't be a bartender um, if I wasn't drinking. I realized that a lot of my relationships weren't real. Um, it was, it was all stuff that I, it I had made it work, um, because booze made it work. Like all these people that, um, I thought were like the best, um, we didn't hang out unless we were drinking, unless we were at the bar and I went to the bar and I tried it and I was like, it's just, it was good for a while and it wasn't the same. And then, um, with my, um, anxiety and depression kicking up. Um, at the same time, it's just not knowing what to do with my days. Um, just being in the city, I realized that time is long. Like I was in Springfield at that time and a day lasted forever. And I never knew because I had been either high or drunk the whole time. And it just felt like days were quick. And then I, I just was so bored and I had to totally uproot up, my life. And so, um, I picked up, moved back in with mom, um, tried to live with her for a while just because, um, financially I thought it was a fine move while I was figuring everything out. Um, I was just going to sit there, uh, go through the holidays cause it was right around December of 18. And, um, we got through it. We, I, I did some cleanup at her place. I was trying to help her not be a hoarder. Um, it was way harder work than what I was cut out to do. Um, and so after that, I jumped into Kansas City. Uh, I was living back with my sister again. Um, she had a new house in KC. Um, I was still sober for maybe another month and a half, um, something like that. I'd say maxed out two and a half months or so. And then I got my job. I passed my UA and, um, and then the chiefs were in a playoff game and everything was kosher. And so I decided to smoke again. And, um, and then I never put it down again. Like it was a whole year or maybe another year and a half before I ever stopped being high. Um, I was a banker by day and a stoner by night and was, um, I thought it was totally chill. Like no matter what I, I was in a, I was in a good enough mood. And, um, but just like that, I got into my same old habits, um, started putting myself in more and more dangerous situations. Um, and then when my banker job started not being fun anymore, I happened to have a opportunity with a startup restaurant and I went back to, um, bartending and serving again and for the first like two months I was still not drinking I was just smoking every day um we smoked before work together we smoked at lunch shift and we smoked after and then um but my boss gave shifties and so with every shift you work you get a free drink and at first I was giving my shifties away to the kitchen and all was good and then one day my boss said you know, you don't have to take your shifties if you don't want to. And I immediately was like, well, I'm going to drink my shifty at least. Like somebody's going to get my shifty. If he doesn't like me giving them away, then I'm taking the middleman out and I'm just going to drink them myself. And just like that, uh, it started with a shifty and then boom, uh, that weekend 
the boss took everybody out for drinks and we got plastered and I ended up staying on his couch because we I mean we were all um loving each other like it was great like we were having a good time every day and um it was okay for a while and um I didn't realize that I was spinning out again and it went from that that week to having shifties to getting messed up that weekend to every weekend I'd be out and um Kansas City bars don't close till 3 a.m and so I was um I started doing blow and so because I didn't know how to stay up that late like it was crazy and so every night about 1 1 30 boom we would um do a little blow I had a buddy who really liked it a lot he always had it and um so then I started getting into some real bad situations um, where I was um, blacking out and not knowing where I would end up. And I remember one night driving home blacked out and in Kansas City, I knew that was just asking for a felony. Um, I wasn't comfortable enough to do it. I am kind of night blind, to be honest. And so me driving at night when I'm not drunk is, is bad enough. <laughs> and so... Uh, going from that um COVID saved my life like the change that I got to have when COVID hit to meeting you to working with you um it I stopped drinking as soon as me and Mal started hanging out again he was my sober influence he was the the guy I needed to be like oh yeah I don't have to do this anymore and then COVID shut everything down and I really didn't have a choice like all my I mean, the bars were closed. Like it was the change I needed. And so from there, boom, here we are. Phil, thank you so much for getting as vulnerable as you did and real. Dude, this is the kind of stuff that's going to help people. Like these conversations are going to save lives. Um, one fun fact about Phil is he lost 100 pounds in a matter of how long. Sorry for exposing you, but that is just baffling to me that i never got to see that side of you oh, that God. size of you <laughs> <laughs> yeah um wow yeah that was kind of um that was during this all um i did it in i think eight months um i lost my first 80 in eight months and then i kind of fizzled for a while and then i lost the other 20 and so it was it was definitely a journey, but I had a lot of self-hatred to fuel it. <laughs> so. He's so modest, but it's such a motivational story. Like I don't, and, he, and he attributes it all to climbing. Oh, man. Um, that was definitely the end of it. Like, um, I got into good enough shape while I was still um, partying, but the last cut and the keeping the weight off was all based on um, climbing and then just... Uh, eating eating a little less garbage like I, I like to make rules for myself because I'm a true um, I mean I'm a mess up if I give myself a chance to I'll mess up and so I use huge sweeping rules for my life like I'm not allowed to buy sweets and that makes it so that if somebody has sweets I can say yeah I like them <laughs> but um, I don't get to go 
and um, go to the sweet shop. Unfortunately, that's not allowed. <laughs> and uh, and so I don't buy meat now either. And it's like if someone buys me a burger or if I go to a friend's house and they cook lasagna, I'm not going to be a pain in their butt. I love lasagna, but I don't make it myself. And so these are just the little things and climbing. Oh, my goodness. Thank you, sequence. Like <laughs> I used to spend so long in that gym every day. And let me tell you, if you want to lose some weight, you can apply at KC Clippers because <laughs> you will work it. And uh, that was when I got my leanest. I was actually off um, 110 pounds. And I mean, it was wild because he was shred city <laughs> pushing, shred. taking 40,000 steps a day. Yeah. Uh, on the, the best days where I got to give him out the whole day, there were times where my phone would clock me at 18 miles in one day. And, uh, <laughs> it was sick. <laughs> oh yeah, dude. Yeah, that was a great story. I appreciate you you telling us that, and it's so relatable to people. You know, like that truly will help somebody, and like it helps us. You know, knowing that like Mal was in a right place in his life to be kind of like a little light for you at that time. You know how everything works out is it's just cool that way. Mm-hmm. You know, and like how you said COVID saved your life, you know, mm-hmm. COVID was like a, it, I don't know. It like made the air a little darker for me as well. Like it was just like, it's, it's just wild how things like that can just completely like switch up, um, people's lives, even mm-hmm. though it's kind of a shitty thing. Like there's beauty in it for sure. And that's cool that, um, it's just cool how it worked out for you. I'm fucking, Happy, happy for you and proud of you and three months, baby. Hey, yo. Yeah. And I don't want to take away from the tragedy um, of the pandemic. And um, I know that it wasn't a blessing for so many people. Um, and it just was the I mean, the world shifts sometimes and it does uh, it does help out every now and then and in weird ways that you don't think about and don't right. expect, unfortunately. So, For sure. Phil, so positive, so modest. Such a great treat to have you here tonight. He drove three and a half hours for this show. Uh, we're going to host him tonight. We're going to give him the, the California King. Oh. We're going to set him up nice, fresh blankets, fresh sheets. Probably not, but that's all right. <laughs> and uh, actually, another fun fact about tonight's podcast is we have our first live studio audience, Grace. Shout out, Grace. Shout out, Grace. So Grace, is, Grace is my girlfriend. Maybe this is the best way to discover these things live on podcast. It's a put her on the spot. A real treat. I don't see why not. Well, uh, I guess we'll uh, we'll we'll get some answers later, or we'll cry later. (laughs) We've done the talking. Now it's time to do the walking. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. Um, you can reach us at on Instagram at talk.now.cry.later. Hit us up. Um, thanks. Love you. Love you. <laughs>